0: The past three administrations, anyhow, have named China as the top U.S. rival, or maybe threat. Military leaders model what would happen in a conflict in and around Taiwan. At the Sea Air Space Conference earlier this week, I discussed how the Naval War College teaches about the China rivalry when I caught up with Professor and retired Navy Officer James Holmes. When we talk about China, what's the official word of the Naval War College? Is it an enemy, frenemy, rising rival? What, what, what is it?
1: You know that's an outstanding question, and it, it sounds like such a simple thing, but it's something that we talk about a lot. I mean, if you if you go ahead and call China an enemy, I mean, in a sense, in a sense, you're almost foreclosing a lot of options. Uh, you know, for competing in peacetime, for working with them diplomatically, for doing things. Sometimes we do things with them at sea, such as in the Western Indian Ocean, countering piracy. So, I personally, I personally try to, to uh, shy away from that word. until China gives me no options. I talk to talk about them as an opponent, an antagonist, sometimes adversary. What the case may be. So we try to st- we try to stop a little bit short of that so as not to create a self-fulfilling prophecy of China basically listening to what we say and assuming that everything else except fighting is off the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a big difference from the days of, say, the Cold War when there was not all that much economic interdependence between the Soviet Union and the United States or, for that matter, from Germany of, of the 30s and 40s. Now China and us are totally interdependent economically. And that's that's a complicating factor. Is that something you teach in the background at the War College.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, we, we teach two core courses. We have an intermediate level course pitched to mid-grade officers and then a senior level course pitched to, pitch to senior officers, commanders and captains and their equivalents in the other services. And the senior course is, mu- is much more pitched at the grand strategic level where you do talk about a, a fair amount about e- economics and things like that. So at the intermediate level, it's, it's much more focused on warfare. You know, what happens between the time the, war- the shooting starts and the time it, sh- it stops. But when you kick it up as, as high as uh, national policy and uh, people such as we see Walking around here in Washington, that's—I mean—you're you're, going to be bringing in diplomacy, economic statecraft, and the other and the other elements as well. And you're right; it's absolutely crucial. It, 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 I'm an old Cold Warrior myself, and it was—it just was not the same thing during between us and the end the Soviet Union, which is one reason I try to. It always makes me uh, a little bit uh, leery when we start talking about a Cold War too, just because it's very different. The, the, China today is not the Soviet Union in 1950, or pick your favorite date.
0: Yeah, and you know the concept of absolute capacity is a big figure in planning for war, preparing for war, the United States always had the greatest absolute capacity relative to other nations that it conflicted with. China has greater absolute capacity by maybe a factor of two to three over the United States. Is that How does that figure into doctrine and teaching and training?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that we're always being the Naval War College. We're always scoping back to World War II in the Pacific in particular. I mean, thinking about comparing China as an opponent today to Imperial Japan in 1941 or whatever your favorite date for the competition is, at that point the United States had about about a 9 to 10 to 1 Economic advantage over over Japan in uh, in terms of uh, gross domestic product, we uh, we we could build a lot more ships, and they couldn't they couldn't replace their losses very easily. And it's just a whole different a whole different thing with China. China's the biggest shipbuilder in the world, which is one reason they're building their navy and their merchant fleet up so rapidly, and so forth. So, you, know, you could look at Japan, you could look at the Soviet Union but but yes you just uh, doing all those historical uh, legwork you just have to think it's a different uh, situation we're in today
0: and so therefore you have the strategic offset which is technologically based and not raw materials and how many people can we throw in the field based
1: yeah, that's sort of the other side of the equation. I mean, the Soviet Navy was, by the 1960s and certainly into the 1970s, the Soviet Navy was, they always vastly outnumbered us. I mean, the Soviet Navy at one point operated about 300 attack submarines, nuclear-powered attack submarines, and conventional subs. But like you say, on the offset side, it's not all about materiel. It's about the human factor, seamanship, tactics, gunnery, all those sorts of things that people bring to the table. But as a century ago, Admiral Bradley Fisk pointed out in his book, the Navy as a fighting machine. It takes a skilled and motivated user to get 100% of the design performance out of a piece of gear. So we, we hope that we, we are better suited to, to that than China is, even, even though they're, they're, they're gaining the, in fact, they have gained the advantage in numbers in the Navy.
0: All right. So then really from the War College standpoint, you have, an, I mean, the Navy, let's say, has an immediate need, an immediate strategy of positioning and so forth and posturing. But then there's the long term is that pretty much what the Navy War College the Naval War College is concerned with more than what are we going to do next month
1: Yeah I think I think that's a pretty fair thing to say I mean the, the War College is a, it's kind of an interesting academic institution because we're bifurcated between the wargaming side the research side which is more which is more fo- focused on what we are doing right now how can we do things better today and then I'm on the I'm on the academic side and we and so in our teaching and in our in our personal writings and so forth we do tend to take the take the longer view just because that's that's a different mission from uh, doing war games about how to... We just, had a war, we just had a game on contested logistics last week. I mean, that's, that's a very uh, ripped-from-the-headline topic. So, so you're right. There's no single War College view about, uh, about any of these topics. We try to be an academic place and squabble among ourselves. But I think that's the drift of opinion.
0: And again, relative to China, what do you teach in terms of cultural orientation? Because the language is different, the hemisphere is different, the history is different. I mean, it's almost a, a different universe inhabited relative to even maybe the Russians and people in Eastern Europe versus the West as we understand it. Is that part of the
1: curriculum? Yep. Yeah, we do it. We do as well as we can. We, well, sort of two things on the on the academic side where I, where I teach, we 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 have a, quite a bit of uh, Asia and and uh, China content in the courses, reaching all the way back to the Russo-Japanese War of 1904 and 1905 and on up to China the competition with China today. We do the best we can get a, getting a, getting a handle on Chinese history, Chinese culture. We obviously can't teach Mandarin in the short period our students are with us, but we do have a core of expertise in Mandarin speakers and, and East Asian language speakers in the departments who help us find materials that are good in English and so forth the other side is that since 2006 on the research wing of the of the world college we've had what we call the china maritime studies institute and these are exclusively mandarin speakers and they basically sit and read chinese documents and think about them and translate them for us every day that's really helpful because then we can import that back into the academic side and and, and make all of us smarter
0: because many chinese people do know english i once was speaking oh, to excellent a, <laughs> a class of chinese speaking to, well from china and there was a translator there and everything I would say. They would say in Chinese, and I made a joke. And I, I said to the translator, I said, don't translate that. You all got it anyway. They all laughed. So I knew they knew exactly what I was saying before uh, exactly. the translator said it.
1: You know, I, I picked my foreign language in 1982 when the Cold War was going on forever. And German, seemed like it would be, it would be something that would be everlasting. If I, had, if I had been able to look 40 years into the future and see what was happening, I, I, might, I might well have gone the Mandarin route myself.
0: And so, what is your own background?
1: Well, I uh, graduated from Vanderbilt in 87, was commissioned in the Navy as a surface warfare officer, uh, steamed around in the battleship Wisconsin for four years, uh, did Desert Storm, taught in the Navy training and ed- education and community. And while I was doing that, I attended the War College in the evening and just got hooked by all the historical and the, and the theoretical material and decided to get out of the service and, and do it from this side of the podium if, pro- if possible. That, uh, so, I, so I, I went up to the Fletcher School at Tufts uh, for PhD My my wife and I ended up moving to to Athens, Georgia for seven years to, to work at the University of Georgia, and that provided the platform to get back to Newport in 2007, and here we are.
0: Interesting, and what is the approach these days of the jointness idea? I mean, that's been around since before either one of us was born, the idea of a joint purple force. It feels like it's actually starting to be something that's realized
1: I think it has to be if we're going to compete at sea. I mean, if you think about what can be done at sea from platforms from tactical aircraft or missiles or whatnot based on land out at sea, There you have an air force, an army, and a rocket force that are ground-based elements contributing to the fight at sea. If you're China, those elements are supplementing the fleet's efforts at sea. And that could be China's great equalizer in a fight with ourselves if indeed we remain the superior Navy, but we also have to figure in the joint force that we're going up against. Which is one reason I think you see the US Air Force also taking a big interest in sinking ships. Conducting war games and dropping precision minefields and doing all that stuff. So I think that I think our sister services are taking this uh, this maritime res- mission on board, and I think that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, in fact, I earlier spoke with a Air Force training officer for air for airmen, and he said that there is a piece of technology and an approach that the naval aviation operation is using that the Air Force wants to bring over. I guess there's no more evidence of purpleness than that.
1: Yeah, the Navy and the Air Force and the aviation communities have taken somewhat different philosophies to aircraft design over the years. I mean, the Air Force has been all in on stealth for the last 30 years, and the Navy has tended to put its confidence more in electronic, electronic warfare, more active measures. But now, you, now, like you said, I think you actually see sort of a merger of those two things. We're, we've moved in their direction, and I think they're coming in our direction as well.
0: You'll always have the shorter runways.
1: Yeah, I've, I've probably made my last carrier landing, but uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that, that happened it's in a real hurry.
0: <laughs> James Holmes is a professor at the Naval War College. I spoke with him at the Sea Air Space Conference just after a panel on Indo-Pacific security. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetworkcom federaldrive Take the Federal Drive with you, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.